Hey, what's up, everybody? My name's MJ, and you're listening to the MTG in Quarantine podcast. As usual, before I begin, I'd like to give a quick shout out to my local game store, Guardian Games. You can find Guardian Games on the web at ggportland.com. I'd also like to give a huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people who support me over at patreon.com slash quarantine. So huge round of thank yous to Mr. Big Benz, Anomaly, Nick S, Frugal Brutal, Jenna the Filthy MTG Casuals, and Coach Jero for supporting the show. If you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash quarantine for more information. Anyway, I haven't done one of these episodes in a while, so I felt like it was the right time to get back to doing a No A Brewer segment. Basically, I bring awesome members of the community and fellow content creators onto the show to basically talk and walk us through their deck building process for EDH decks. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce today's guest, someone who needs no introduction, but I will do so anyway. I'd like to reintroduce to the show Cole from the Uncommon Commander podcast. Welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me back, NJ. No problem. So, yeah, uh, since I did mention the Uncommon Commander podcast, I know it's on a break right now, but in case anyone's checking this episode out, checking my content out for the first time and hasn't heard of this, could you give a quick synopsis of what that is? Yeah, of course. So, my name's Cole. I also go by Eclipse Meteor on numerous other sites and discords. Uh, but my podcast name, or the full title, is is called The Uncommon... Uh, it's called Uncommon Commander, the Unconventional EDH Podcast, which, unconventional, I'm sure, but the whole point of the main part of, of my podcast series is to talk about uncommon legendary creatures as commanders, primarily, um, and, and what various people uh, on the online community and personal friends of mine, you know, even my local town, um, have built with them. Um so, you know, we've, we've talked about, like, Dargo, and you came on to talk about uh, Renata, the, the demigod, and and you'd be surprised how very popular, how powerful a lot of them are. Um, and then I just do a little side series called Unconventional, because I remembered that I had a subtitle to my podcast, uh, where I'm going to be using that to talk about just kind of either magic-adjacent stuff, like whatever happens to be going on in the community, or just, like, completely like pop culture media other hobby stuff like uh future plans like D&D talk about Pokemon Gundam from like out in Japan and all this other stuff so uh you can go find that pretty much wherever podcast sources are and uh yeah we have a good time over there yep yep speaking of finding things I actually just found the proxy of mana crypt that I was looking for it was hiding underneath my uh my keyboard here so I'm very happy about that <laughs> there we go <laughs> I was looking for that thing I was like where the heck is my mana crypt Oh, you there clear it is. your desk off. You're like, look <laughs> under your play mat. Oh, it's right there. That's right. And, okay. And, sweet. And before anyone gets uh, gets too upset, it is not a real mana crypt. I would not lose, get up and lose a two hundred dollar card so like that. Like Who that. would do that? Who would do that? Not me. I'm. I. I can think of multiple people who have actually lost their cards at events. I'm. I'm not going to name names, but uh, yeah. And actually, and unfortunately, that list includes me. Um. Yeah, funny, funny stories that uh, Donnie from the Filthy MTG Casuals actually messaged me after uh, Command Fest Bellevue saying, yeah, I've got one of your cards. So, yeah, Donnie, at some point I'll have to try to get that back from you. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, what a sweetheart. <laughs> I, 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 I know. It's like I, it's not even really important about the card. He can probably honestly keep it. It's, it's not a big deal. 
but it's it, just kind of funny funny stories about that at least it wasn't uh there are stories of other people who have lost far more valuable cards this way uh, I, i've even had friends like when we were kids i mean i say kids like when we were like 16 17 18 you know oh hey we're going to summer camp uh my cards were stolen what <laughs> two decks this edh decks gone and back in the day that was just it's terrible experience back then it was tragic when you had no money to your name mm -hmm. and, and we didn't have amazing uh ways to be able to get cards just from the comfort of our couch times times have changed from like 2012 <laughs> yes so so assume that this is my uh, non-sponsored take for uh for things like tcg player card kingdom and, and the works or even just your local game store if they have an online store just definitely try to support your local lgfs if at all possible hopefully they have the cards you need so uh yeah i i actually just bought cards the other day from uh, a friend of mine um who 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 uh, keeps uh, posting about their shop that they go to. And I, I felt like, hey, you know, in, in a way I'm helping support that shop. I've never been there. I probably never will actually go there in person. But, uh, you know, it, someone I know is connected to that shop. So I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm helping out that store just buying online, even though I'm, I live in a different state. So it, it, just things like that. Anywho. <laughs> or, or, as my favorite term has been, when you lose a game of uh of of commander on spell table you go to the <laughs> you go to the uh the elimination secret layer zone well you go to the <laughs> secret layer zone is what i call it and i have like a, a back drop thing that i use for my obs when i lose games but it's it just always seems like a mocking thing it's like hey you lost a game go buy product over at amazon or on our website i'm like i know all right the secret layer zone let's go i know i know i i i remember the first time that i saw that on uh on on spell table it's like what the hell what is, is happening <laughs> I, I i i even posted it on a twitter it's like what 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 is this yeah. thing? And, wizards, and, wizards bought it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just I. Yeah, of course. That I, I think I think we can say that is as longtime spell table veterans. Like I was playing that before uh, before the buyout. Oh. So <laughs> I was there. Um, I was there before. Before the buyout, we went. It's. I, I just love. The, I don't know. I can't remember who came up with the term or or why I did it. But like, I got like the Dark Souls "You Died" screen, and then I got. I, I found out what the text format, like the 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 text type was, and then you I used did. that to type underneath it, and it was like go to the secret layer zone. And then when I click on the OBS thing to bring the image up, it fades in as I'm losing the game. <laughs> and I want to, I don't know, I want to do something with it. I don't know what, what it is, but it's, it's funny to just throw that out there and have people chuckle at that. Oh yeah. There's a lot of fun things that we get to do in the, in the community, just uh, not necessarily poking fun at wizards, but uh, sometimes just uh, working with the absurd and the weird and we just like doing funky things, and that definitely that definitely qualifies. Yeah, too too fun to poke fun. At. It's too fun to poke fun at that for sure. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah. After our little uh, intro here, yeah, let's dive right into the meat of the episode. So I'm gonna ask you three questions here, Cole, and okay. it basically answer them to the best of your ability. And remember that again, this is being recorded for posterity. But oh no, I'm I'm kidding. Seriously. 
Um, I'm going to ask you the three questions. You're just going to kind of walk us through the process of how you build EDH decks, and then we're just going to wrap up with the super secret bonus question that's really not even super secret, because if seriously, if you listen to any of these episodes, you know exactly what questions I'm going to ask, so it's not a secret whatsoever. Um, anyway, so we're going to get started here with um, the really the first question is, are you the kind of person who builds a deck or wants to build a deck simply by seeing a commander or a legendary creature, or do you try to build the 99 and then find a compatible commander? I am 100% of all about the legendary creature. Um, and it's always, especially since the design of like even standard sets has changed to incorporate more and more and more legendary creatures. Um, it's gotten harder to be like, okay, I, I want a concept. Like, I want something to do what enables me to do that. Um, and I usually never reach... I, I, never, I don't even get... To, that's not the question in my head. It's like, can, like, I look at a creature's abilities, and I'm like, can this allow me to do, like, these types of things? Or just, just scratch that itch? And it's always commander first. Yeah, I mean, it's... For me, it's kind of a mixture of both. I definitely like building around commanders that I enjoy building. I mean, you and I were just talking about my uh, Alenda, the Dusk Rose rebuild that I did here very recently. And again, that was a very 99 uh, specific, or sorry, that was a very commander specific card, or sorry, commander specific deck. Wow, I'm really off here today. Um, but yeah, that was definitely me building around my specific commander. But again, I've also done a lot of 99, and then I need something in the command zone builds too. So it's always interesting just to hear how people arrive at that decision. And then obviously since we're mentioning it, let's move on to question number two. Once you've chosen your commander, walk us through the process of how you build the 99. Everyone does this a little bit differently, and I'm just curious to know how... What is the Eclipse Meteor process for building an EDH deck? Um, so typically, it's changed a lot throughout the years, um, and especially as like more tools are are available to us as like a community, EDH rec, uh, YouTube videos, uh, everyone's like deck text because they're trying to like be excited about certain cards, whether or not like those commanders are are popular or not. Um, what I typically do to start is, is I'm like, okay, if I get, okay, the car, card's spoiled or, or, or previewed, or I, I open it in a pack. I'm like, oh, sweet. This is what I wanted. Okay. I primarily immediately just go to my deck boxes that I got available here. I have everything pretty loosely organized. Um, I, I have things organized by color, uh, pretty much. Uh, I have stuff for, like, lands and artifacts, um, and then I have, like, a bunch of notoriously loose cards, like, in random boxes, and I'm like, okay, what's this card do? What do I need? Uh, am I doing artifacts? Am I doing creatures? Is it a spell slinger deck? I immediately just grab giant piles, 300, 400 cards, easy, of, like, what is applicable to this, and I just grab them. I just grab them if I think it's vaguely synergistic. I, I just grab it and put it into a pile. Um... Then I narrow everything down to that cruciating, like, the excruciatingly painful cut of, all right, I'm at 400 cards. I got to get to at least 63 
64 cards because uh, I was default like 35 lands. So I'm like, all right, 35 land pile, good. Next step, cut down. Um, and then I can sometimes spend at least uh, an afternoon or like an evening of of cutting. And sometimes it could take me like a week or two weeks of just cutting down, whittling down to that neat little 63, 64 card pile of, of what I immediately have, make it a deck, and then be like, okay, let's test out for a bit. And maybe if I'm like really excited, I'll order something in my LGS and be like, I'm going to get like these 10 cards that I specifically want to work like with this new commander. Then go home, grab the 300 to 400 cards, whittle down the pile with those 10 being absolute mandatory ads, and then, like, make a deck. And uh, <laughs> I've been doing that for, like, the last two years. Uh, I barely consult uh, EDH rec or anything anymore unless someone makes something that's, like, uh, a YouTube video or a deck tech or something that seems really neat. Uh, but most of the time I just, what do I have? Work with that. What can I get next? Do that afterward is the usual process. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes sense. I, I think you and I are very alike in a lot of ways that we just like to dig things out of our boxes of cards and then we try to build with them. I mean, I, I try not to buy cards if I if I don't need to. Again, it depends on the deck, depends on what I have in the box, depends on the color mm -hmm. especially. I feel like certain colors of in my collection have more, I don't, again, I hate saying staples, but have more are more likely to have the cards I'm going to want for a specific deck versus others. So, I mean, I just happen to have a real, lot of really good black cards, but I like playing black. Um, unfortunately, my the green cards that I have sitting around have gotten kind of neglected. So, you know, maybe my green decks need a little bit of help. So I, I definitely understand, um, definitely understand that that process. Anyway, so. Once we get to the end of the deck, I mean, you've built the 99, and it's like, what What do you do with it then? I mean, do you do you try to goldfish it, or do you just jump right into a, do you just try to jump right into an EDH pod and just see what uh, happens? So, um, I don't goldfish as often anymore. I think, well, I mean, maybe I, I goldfish for mulligans. Uh, just just to kind of see what the feel is more so than like oh I'm gonna try to play out my turn one through five because the unfortunate thing is like um one of the ways that one of the like other ways that I build decks is that there's always this room of interactivity that may or may not be dependent on like who's at the table or what everyone's playing and like you can't account for that no matter how many times you goldfish, there could be some variable you can't account for. So I just try to mulligan and see how it feels. And if I feel like I got a playable hand, then like it, it consistently or semi-consistently, then like I'll 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 just kind of wing it. Um, but if I really want to be like, all right, I gotta get the first, like, all right, let's get in the ring, let's let's duke it out. Usually whenever weekends hit, uh, I I got a group of online friends. I got Mr. Fitzy Fitz, I got Prophet of Aries. Um, I got the folks over at MTG Lexicon, uh, every once in a while I want to be able to jump in, or I got some folks down in my LGS on Sundays where I could just be like, all right, I'm going to bust this deck out. Who cares what the relative power level is? Let's just see what it can do first. Let's get an idea. And then like, I'm able to kind of figure out what I need to do from there. Or if, or if I, 
Whoops, accidental combo. Didn't mean for it to do that. You can kind of realize, like, how good or how bad the deck actually is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, definitely. Okay, so now we're going to get to the super secret question, which is not so super secret, but whatever. I can. It's my podcast. I can say whatever I want about that. So your question is, do you have a deck you have either finished or you are working on that you really want to talk about for a couple of minutes and let the audience know how awesome it is or how awesome it's going to be. All right. Okay. Um, so as we, we discussed this before, or maybe we, I've discussed several times recently with our conversation right now and, uh, the last few months is that I am not as much of a green player anymore. Uh, one of my favorite color combinations when I started playing was blue-green. Gotta love Simic. It's really good. It's really strong. Uh, anyone who's been around playing Commander from back then, uh, Prophet of Crufix, busted mm-hmm. magic card. It was banned for a reason. Um, and I've just been playing a lot of red the last few years, but I finally sat down and I was like, okay, I, I, I've, I've been taking... Uh, apart a lot of decks the last uh, year and shuffling things around and i had a stack of um mutate cards a lot of blue and and green ones that were from uh, a luna apex of wishes deck that i had and i then i got like everything that was printed with like that funky alternate art i i had uh, had them around um but uh tanos the toy maker uh came out uh, in Brothers War, and I was hooked because um, compared to like Volo from uh, the first Dungeons and Dragons one, that the blue-green Volo that makes copies of creatures if it doesn't match a creature type, or Ivy, Ivy Gleeful Spell Thief, like both of those just seem like pretty easy to do. Ivy's like two mana. You can just target whatever you can do. Auras, you can do instant sorceries, you can do mutates. Uh, Volo, unfortunately, does not really work well with mutate because a lot of those creature types are shared. A lot of beasts, pretty easy to do. Thanos doesn't really care. It just says if you have a beast or a bird, which it turns out a lot of the mutates are that, uh, you just copy them except they're artifacts. Um, so I finally crammed this pile together of a, a lot of beasts. Craterhoof Behemoth is a beast. Uh, Blossoming Bog Beast. But also, obviously, like, Migratory Great Horn, so you can mutate for a basic land. Um, and I was like, okay. I, I have all this Simic stuff that I've accumulated for possibly, like, 11 years now. Let's put it together and do something with it. I've had the most fun with a Simic deck that I've had, like, in a long time. It's been scratching this itch. Uh, I do need to put some work into it, but it's 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 fun to be like, I'm going to cast Phyrexian Ingester for 7 mana, and I'm going to make 2 Phyrexian Ingesters and exile 2 creatures. That's value to me, and that's enough. I can run, like, Rampaging Baelots and make 2 Rampaging Baelots and play a land and make four, four, two four four bees. It's It's just good Simic value. Uh... I don't know. It's it's just been scratching that itch. That's been really really fun to play with the last couple weeks since I made it. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Sounds like you're having a lot of fun with that with that sort of thing. And and uh, um, 
like it, it's it is one of those decks that was the the commander definitely came secondary um because i was sitting there like i need to make a mutate deck is it gonna be um a abzan mutate deck well i don't have the the, the abzan legendary that has mutate on it uh or am i gonna meet uh Najal blue red spell slinger where you can pay mana to copy sorceries um and we i i have my own uh mishra um uh excavation prodigy the model red baby mm -hmm. mishra pile that i've had sitting around for the longest time since we've been chatting but i've been also been like ah this mutate what do i do with it and then tanos came out and i'm like hey wait a minute <laughs> uh dreamtail heron the the mutate is is a bird and crater hoof behemoth is a beast hilariously enough and uh i can slip in an iv so i can mutate copies and make mutate stacks and do double mutate triggers or i can make numerous copies of like these really scary mutate piles of like archipelagor and auspicious starix and and all this other fun stuff uh it just it just seemed really fun i it it, it doesn't use any broken clones or clone or like you know i don't have um oh god i hate being put on the spot because i'm forgetting magic card names now uh it happens Luke... to me all the time on the show seriously uh, the part legendary partner Sakashima. If you know, I, I don't have Sakashima in the deck. I have to work within the confines of what I have, and uh, it, it, Tanos is the centerpiece of that. And if someone blows up my stuff, uh, that's a shame. But I'm having a good time with it. So you know that 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 has been the completion of of a long term project that I've just been like, how do I get back into Simic in a fun way? that doesn't feel boring because it doesn't have black or it doesn't have red or you know i don't have haste and i don't have you know i i love teamer decks it's the only way i get to play blue green but i never can never have the heart to like strip away the red because otherwise i just feel like it's a boring a more boring version of, of something i already like yeah sounds like a bona fide red player there i think i think we've caught you red-handed on that one yeah <laughs> i'm too impatient for this shenanigans i'd rather just get right into it if you don't give me haste or give me death yeah hey you, you know what if you ever make uh, any merch for the uncommon commander podcast you should just put that on the t-shirt somewhere i'm sure someone would buy it it's i don't know how it ties into the podcast but i could probably it make it work but you see that's <laughs> the great thing about branding it doesn't always have to do anything with uh, with your actual brand. Well, <laughs> well, hey, you'll soon catch me making t-shirts with that. Don't know how I'm gonna spin it, but you I'll make it work. And you'll also include the ones with t-shirts uh, that say "Go to the secret layer zone." And I don't know how I'm not gonna get clapped back by WotC for even hinting or mentioning secret layers. But I'll figure it out. I Maybe mean, I'll have it like you the Coca-Cola like, SL zone or something. You know yeah i'll figure it out yeah well we'll definitely have to see how that uh, how that works out for you but yeah anyway thanks cole so much for for guesting on the show today it's been awesome having you on the show it's awesome talk with talking with you for this whole this whole process of getting the episode together and yeah sounds like you got a lot of really cool decks sitting there hopefully at some point we'll see how that mishra deck uh 
works out. I know well, you're it, really it, excited about it, and I kind of want to see how it, how it turns out. I have, you know, so for the last little bit, because anyone who knows me really well loves Ribbon Mave, but, you know, I, I haven't been playing a lot of uncommon commanders lately, so I kind of kind of take ownership of that again. Uh, so after Thanos, I think it's definitely Mishra and maybe Najal, and we'll we'll figure out how that all works out. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I mean, honestly, I can't believe I actually beat you to the punch to build a Mishra deck. I mean, that. I, yeah, what the heck I happened, man? <laughs> I uh, made another artifact deck that was called, Ma- you know, Megatron. <laughs> so I was like, hmm, I'm losing out on some red stuff for this. I'll have to come back to it later. And now, well, the <laughs> for, for this episode that everyone's listening to, there was a, possibly an hour more of just chatting that is now leading to me to sort through my mishra pile that i've been sitting on for like a month oh yeah again spoiler alert for for anyone who obviously wasn't there which is everybody uh cole and i spent like 90 minutes something like that before recording this episode just talking about uh, mishra you know talking about my the list that i've put together and just various other things so there's just a lot that has gone into this particular answer that uh, obviously you're you're not going to hear on the show and is basically lost to history at this point. It's a sad thing. That's usually what happens when some people record with me. Yeah, it, it definitely happens. It's like it, it's not something I'm going to record because you know who would want to listen to that. But on the other hand, it was very very useful, and I hope that I was able to give you some ideas for for that mystery list because I know that you are the first person who really you know came out raw raw with the card when 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 it came out and then i just happened to stumble across it on my own and the fact we've had all these conversations about that particular card that particular kind of deck is is honestly been really nice to just have someone else to bounce those ideas off of if nothing else because usually when i build the deck personally and and i know this is your episode but i just kind of like interjecting here is usually when i build a deck it's i try to be like the one person running that deck so it's interesting to see someone else who's equally passionate about a certain bizarre, jank, weirdly unplayed, unloved commander and to just, you know, bounce those ideas off and just kind of see what works. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I think probably that's something that was not really part of the question structure, but like, obviously what my podcast is about, shocking, a lot of uncommon commanders kind of get pushed aside for one reason or another. Um there was, um, I mean, heck, this is a tangent, but let's go for it. Uh, EDH Rec, one of the writers has an o- the over and under popularity thing for when a set comes out. Oh, um, that list. Yes, I'm very familiar and, with that list, and I also ignore that list all the time. Yes, you, and, and like it, it, it is really interesting because obviously you're looking at like one person's perspective of whether or not something would be over or underplayed, and obviously some are like dead ringers, like obviously this thing's going to be overplayed. Hey, uh, Golos is good, or, um, you know, <laughs> just in, insert, uh, you know, generically good commander from every Such, set. Wow, huh? Is, Pros- is Prosper gonna be a good magic card? You know, Very Prosper obviously. might... God, is Prosper one of the top... I actually really have to check that, so so please continue. I will find out what rank Prosper is on EDH Rec, because it's All right, top so let, 10. Let's, let, let's go on a bit of a tangent, because it happens to be <laughs> relevant to the article here, right? So Prosper on that list, shocking, over, by, like, a, the most popular version of those creatures from that cycle of, of Commander decks for Adventure of the Forgotten Number Rings. eight on the website, with over 11,000 11, decks. I mean, so... Shocking. Duh. <laughs> but 
uh, in that same set, not part of the Commander set, but the main actual set for that summer, um, Kalein Reclusive Painter was one of the, the cycles, yes. the 10 cards there, right? And Kalein, it says, like, ETB, make a treasure token whenever you use treasure mana to cast creature spells that enter with that many plus one counters on them. And obviously, yes, treasures are overblown. They're so powerful for good reason. But I was like, okay, I got to put together a Kalein Reclusive Painter deck. But as it turns out, there's still only about maybe 300 or 400 decks on the EDH rec database alone. But Have you checked lately? Because I'm looking at the number. It's 873 is time as of this recording. Oh, then maybe I'm mixing some things up. So I don't really know more... where, where the stuff... I, I feel like EDH rec I is... feel like I misread. I feel like I misread then. Maybe. Or maybe the assessment was wrong. But maybe. But it's essentially like... Uh, I have like I uh, I I made a Colleen deck and obviously like Colleen's really good. I made um I made Mr. Orfeo the Boulder and obviously he's probably decently popular himself. But I made Ball Lightning try a, a Ball Lightning a Ball Lightning theme because what's better than doubling the power of a of a Ball Lightning or a Lightning Skelemental? Uh, I had a friend that made Targ Nar uh, Demon Fang Knoll as a red green legendary matters um uh storm deck which which was focused on bard class and it's an episode on my on my podcast but it's like for the longest time before he finally swapped it out for something else i think he swapped it out for grumgully which shocking that's also another uncommon legend um the design space for these like what they've done in the last few years is they pushed the power level of them up but there you can only have one of them in standard and their draft chaff and their the the whole cornerstone of your drafting experience but a lot of them like are really deceptively powerful now and some of them just kind of skirt under the focus of everyone they're still really good um so i really do encourage anyone to just kind of take a look at some of the stuff that's been printed in the last few years go check out Dominaria United, go check out uh Battle for Baldur's Gate, the Commander Legend set. Like the there's diamonds in the rough there that are that are untapped and uh I just I just think they're really fun to brew with. Oh definitely. I mean you have me looking at just some of the sets that have come out recently. Um again, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty was a little different because I felt like uh Again, unfortunately, the shrine, this, the monocolored shrines kind of fell off the wagon because it's a little bit difficult to build around them as a commander, obviously, since they're, they're monocolored and shrines really don't want to be built that way. Um, um, but, but you, oh, I will say, the the um, Yamazaki cousins... Uh, well, yeah, definitely Nor those. Nor Nor Norka and... Um, I'm blanking on the other one because I talk about Norka more. Heiko. Like, Norka is great because she's the mono white one, and obviously Enchantment Recursion is a very deceptively more powerful and less utilized uh, ability and design space than Heiko's bring artifacts back, which is fine. Um, even now, uh, Naomi, the, the black-white, makes samurai tokens when you have an enchantment and an artifact out. Uh it's pretty easy to have a, just a rando artifact and enchantment out. So you basically have a five mana two, two, uh, half 
a half titan that etbs and when she attacks she makes like a samurai um and, and shout out to my uh a, a buddy of mine brian uh had made a really strong and confident deck around naomi because uh when you do have a like a titan-esque ability in the command zone that accumulates bodies over the course of turns and you have like anthems and uh Katharis crusade effects like it it really doesn't take much and you, your commander probably only costs 25 cents at most and don't don't knock it till you try it honestly it's just really fun to see Mm-hmm. so yeah i i ended up uh going back and checking out how many decks uh young mishra has and as of this recording 30 and one of mm -hmm. those is mine <laughs> And it's time to put mine up there soon. <laughs> yeah, and I actually just uh, put my more casual list up there, so it'll take a little while to get there. Oddly enough, there are actually two two cards with less uh, decks their name than thirty. So I mean, really, if you're looking for a place where people have not built some of those decks, Brothers War, I think, has you know, if you look past the Urza and Mishra number one or three or whatever, you can actually find some interesting cards that people basically have forgotten about completely. It's it's really. It's the kind of set where it's kind of parasitic in its own way is that it's not super deep as far as most people are concerned. But again, we've basically put our content careers on about you don't have to play the top 100 commanders on EDH rec. You literally almost have more fun playing the what people consider to be junk. It's, I think it's so just, fun. I, I think you and I are the same wavelength in that it's very easy to have a commander that does everything it's the good stuff commander you draw cards you gain mana you cheat the costs of certain things like you do something that requires little to no effort you just build a deck you play it it does the thing you breathe you spit out value i like spinning knobs and jumping through hoops to get the value that i want out of the game it's why i'm a big advocate for Audric blood curse because i think making blood tokens off of keyworded creatures and you have three or five of them can win you a game uh if you know what what to do with that um and uh you know tanos yeah maybe can be a little deceptively strong but you still are confined to the condition of a five mana commander that cares about beast and bird creature spells that make them artifacts which gives them a double weakness to removal so you know a lot of these uncommon commanders, barring a few that are really pushed, you do really need to kind of get down, think hard, really think, like, what can I do to spin the wheels and make this deck work when most people would, like, dismiss it? Um, and it's a really good deck-building challenge and a restriction to, to impose on yourself. And, yeah, if you want to do that, I think Cole and I have a a good history of basically trying to upend the uh, the quote-unquote meta, if you will, of, of EDH in general. That we just like kind of... We like tilting people in a way, just by building, just by building <laughs> things. I mean, it, yes. not, not in a hostile way or anything, but we just like uh, building, building decks that subvert expectations and social norms of EDH, I suppose. I, I mean, look, I, I with my friends, so a lot of the people I play online with, anyone who knows me, like, you pretty much know what I like to play. You've you've seen the best, and you've seen the worst. 
And, you know, I'm also the guy that, hey, it was Thursday night EDH at one of my LGSs a few years ago before the pandemic hit. And I sat down with Ephemia the Cacophony from mm-hmm. uh, uh, that was Terrace Beyond, Beyond Death. Death. And, and F, F, dang it. All right. Hold on. Let me send you a Coke over the internet. Um, I, 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 the problem is I already owe uh, Peter, a.k.a. Mono Whiteboard, at least used to be before he retired. Uh, I, I owed him one of those. So I, I'm if I ever run cross paths with him again, I, I still owe him a drink. I guess but, maybe yeah. maybe I could just give it to him and we'll call it square. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but I sat down with Ephemia and Ephemia is not a good magic card. She really is not. However, the 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 shock of the two people the person who was sitting beside me didn't really care too much the two people sitting across from me were shocked and confused and i dare say like they weren't like i think they were curious but for the wrong reasons <laughs> it was like i was like that it it's the step in the right direction of the reaction i want to get out of people but i think they were like dismissive a little bit i was like I can also work with that too. And I had a good game. It was it was it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't fantastic. But I had a good enough experience with it because I got two guys to be like, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I feel like those are the best kinds of games. I mean, when I I love bringing commanders that no one's ever heard of to to the table, and then you you don't always win the game, but the idea is you try to show up, you try to do something cool, and hopefully people remember that. So. You know, it's that's why we build is to do stupid stuff like that. It's kind yeah. of a curse. It's kind of a blessing. I don't know. You know, it, it's really up to me. I, I have person. like I have 40 decks, so it's a curse. Yeah, I, I feel like that. I mean, I, I keep looking at my mox field all the time and I keep brewing things and then just decks just sit, you know, in <laughs> in storage. Like I, I, I look at my play log and just, huh. What deck have I not played in the last six months? Okay. I guess I should play that. Grab grab a deck. Oh, I haven't played this in two years. Maybe looks at it. Oh, that's why I haven't played it in two years. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm kind of ashamed to say that I uh, have a couple of decks that I basically personally banned from my from my play group back in the day just because I won every game with them and I felt like, you know, this is kind of stupid. And the really dumb thing about it is one of them um, was like $35 total. And I would just wipe the floor with my playgroup every oh, time. It's like, okay, I'm not playing that anymore. I'm looking at my Dahada deck and it's like, all right, if I if I burn enough bridges with that, I think I'll keep a I'll keep the seal on it if, so the evil cannot be unleashed. Oh yeah. And 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 again it yeah, it's just things that happen i suppose with with these decks but yeah anyway thank you so much again cole for for taking the time to guest on the podcast here it's been awesome having you it's been awesome just talking about magic and then just kind of going off on these weird tangents that are i promise are very related to what we're talking they're about. very important this if, if again i want to reiterate if anyone if uh, guests that come on with me or anytime i'm guesting I, you give me the inch, I'll take the mile. Your episode will double in length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because normally <laughs> these are 20 minutes, and I, you know, if if you're the listener out there and you wish this episode wasn't 40 minutes, well, if you'd already quit, you wouldn't be listening to this. So I suppose that the fact that you're, you're hearing this means you liked what you heard and you're still listening. So 
I, I guess I'm I'm striking that podcast itch for you. So you're welcome. Anyway, uh, yeah, again, Cole, where can people find the Uncommon Commanders podcast? Uh, so primarily you can find it on things like Google, Apple, and Spotify. Um, looking further into it, it turns out I'm on like uh, Pocket Cast and like a few other things. Uh, if you find my logo, uh, it's got a giant silvery blue UC in a custom drawn circle of the five colors of magic. You probably find my podcast. Wow, that actually sounds exactly like my ending. I think we have talked about this too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, so if you learn together, <laughs> it, it totally is. It's it's crazy. Oh man, but anyway. Yeah, um, if you're interested in hearing any of the other episodes I've done here on the MTG and Quarantine podcast, you can find those as well on the usual podcast outlets as your Google, Apple, Spotify, Player FM, Rocketcast, Podcast, Overcast, Breaker, MTG Cast, and a million others. I never remember all of them, but I remember more of them than Cole did. So I guess that gives me the moral victory here. I don't know. I don't care. This is not a competition, but um, yeah, you can also find me on the Twitter spirit at MTG and Quarantine if you find the really happy looking Ulamog. Because, yes, I, I guess Ulamog's looking fairly content in my profile picture. I mean, you know, for being a, you know, not... God, I, I've never been quite sure exactly how to describe the Eldrazi, but basically looking very content wearing a pair of headphones, you found the right place. You know, wh whatever it is, we're, we're just going to go with smiling. I, I suppose that that's what it is for, for a creature that really doesn't have a face, facial expression. I don't know, but whatever you get yeah i i i guess we're we're kind of anthropomorphizing a little bit uh ulamog with this so we'll just go with that anyway i'd like to give another huge shout out and thank you to all the awesome people supporting me over at patreon.com slash mtg in quarantine so another huge round of thank yous to mr big ben's anomaly nick s frugal brutal jen of the filthy mtg casuals and coach jayro for supporting the show if you'd like to help support the show and help me make more awesome content, head on over to patreon.com slash mtjnquarantine for more information. And I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode, recharged, re-energized episode of the MTG and Quarantine podcast. My name's MJ. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.